we say things like, maybe later, perhaps another time, or I'll see you tomorrow. But for some of us, there won't be a tomorrow. Listen as your worst nightmares come to life. These nightmares have become someone's reality. My name is Justin Crowley, and this is The Murder Project. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 9 of The Murder Project. In this episode, we're going to be covering a story that is kind of crazy to say at the least. has a lot of twists and turns and a lot of sad events actually. Uh, this episode, we're going to be doing things a little bit different. Normally I'll do a first episode that, that kind of discusses and breaks everything down uh, for the, the subject that we're talking about. But due to time time restraints, I'm going to go ahead and change it up this time because I think it's more beneficial to have me and Mike together uh, doing an episode if we're only going to get a chance to do one. Mm-hmm, that's why I'm here. So in this episode, we are going to do the debrief first, and then we'll give you something to uh, chew on for later uh, to, to make up for the episode that we missed. This episode is going to be about Catherine Knight, and in this episode that we call the debrief if for those that are new i sit down with my good friend and former police officer mike smith to discuss cases further we discuss the cases from both sides of the aisle theories that we might have and anything we think might needs a second look uh, the debrief is an unscripted off-the-cuff commentary about the cases that we are currently covering in the debrief we hope to break down the cases further but kind of in a relaxed environment with the true crime we love but also some laughter so let's get the episode started. How you doing, Mike? I'm good. I uh, really had just a hoot and a holler getting into the details about this person and this and this case or cases. She wasn't a one and she was a one and done on her final act, but <clears throat> um, what a hot mess! Yeah, exactly, and. I was going to say, before we got started, both of us got a little bit of uh, wear and seems like we got a little bit of wear and tear on the old body and a little bit tired, both of us. Oh, yeah. Really tired. tired today, yeah. Uh, we had a lot of stuff going on. I know some of you uh, were probably thinking, and we got some messages and people that, that called us and said, hey, wh- where where's the next episode? Very good question. Uh, we both had uh, a crazy couple of weeks. Uh, the last two episodes that we, that we recorded and put out were right before a uh, triathlon that I was doing, and I had been training for this triathlon for the past eight months. It was kind of a uh, bucket list item for me, and I did an Ironman 70.3, which is a 1.2-mile swim, a 56-mile bike, and then a 13.1-mile run. And you did the damn thing. And I did it. I finished it. I did it. It was on a Sunday a couple weeks ago, so I had to get to Lubbock on Saturday to get set up and checked in. And then after I got back, uh, we rolled right into uh, a much-needed vacation from a man, Mike, over here. Yeah, yeah. When, uh, we went ahead and headed north for a bit. Yep. Yeah, it was great. And we came off of that. And one thing that you don't normally hear us talk about a whole lot in Amarillo is rain. But this no. year, it seems like we've got a lot. And like I said, I have a full-time job, and then I mow about 30-ish yards per week. Mm-hmm as my side job. So the rain kind of messed us up, but Mike was out of town, so we couldn't kind of capitalize on the on those unused days. And then by the time he got back, the alternator went out on my truck. So I lost another day there. 
And then it was just, it was just hammer time after that. It was. And you know, we'd like to think that those aren't going to happen to us, but they do. And it does. Yeah. It and we had a couple back to back. So, uh, this week we had another, like I said, Mike works long hours, but he also works odd hours. So our schedules kind of don't really touch each other at all. Mm-mm. And our weekends about the only time we can kind of meet up. And if the weekend gets blown, then that's pretty much it for unless we're going to do like a an emergency sesh like yeah. tonight. Yeah, and tonight was like we got to get we got to get in there and get something going. So yeah, for real. We already had this one uh, as the next uh, podcast that we were going to do, but because of the time restraints, I was like, "Hey, what do you think about just doing the debrief and skipping the other one because the other one obviously has a lot more editing time." Mike was all aboard, so we. Said, hey, let's get together and do this. So let's jump into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I said previously, we're talking about Catherine Knight. Uh, she was born on October 24th, 1955 in Australia. Uh, she was originally from Aberdeen, New South Wales in the Hunter Valley. I don't know where any of this is. And I just want to say from the get-go, if I mispronounce anything, it's my bad, you know? Yeah, you're only doing the best you can. Can I also say that everywhere else in the world has cooler names? I'm from Washington. Yeah. That's the end of where I'm from. <laughs> She's got New South Wales, Aberdeen, Hunter Valley. Yep. I guess I mean I guess we it's could... not like I like the lady, but it's much cooler than where I'm from. I don't she's definitely not a likable lady. She is someone that I think has a lot of uh problems we'll get into the fact you know we'll get into her upbringing and 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 things like that but uh i think her own personal decisions on how she she handled certain events in her life uh makes it to where you can't really feel bad for her even though i kind i mean when we, when you talk about how she was raised yes i have i, I feel bad for the situation she was raised in and i understand that maybe she didn't have a whole lot of options and there wasn't a lot for her to do but man, the the things that she does to people, and then her final act before mm-hmm. she goes to prison for the rest of her life, because she's, uh, I don't know if this still stands, but she's the only person, or she was the first person to be sentenced to life imprisonment without parole in Australia. The first person? First woman. First woman, okay. Yeah. Yeah, That 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 is true. And, you know, just so I can get it out there, because it sounds really smart. The psychology says no matter what, we're all products of our raising. Yeah. There's nothing you can do about it. It'll always be a part of you. Yeah, I agree with that. And then, you know, she just decided to, uh, you know, to make a skin suit, whatever. But I'm uh, getting mm-hmm. ahead of myself there. So yeah. we'll, we'll jump into it. So Catherine was the uh, younger daughter or the younger of twins born to her mother, Barbara. Her dad... Ken, as he uh, is referred to in this, apparently was a huge alcoholic and used a lot of violence and intimidation in the family. And they also said, it is also said that uh, he would rape their mom, the kids. There's a lot, this is a large family, Mm -hmm. and I don't want to get too caught up in the details of the family just because there's a lot to unpack in all of this. So just understand that... uh, there, there is a large family involved, and her dad would often rape her mother, and some people said it was up to 10 times a day. Good Lord. And, yeah, and, and uh, oftentimes in front of the children. And so 
I guess what? he would, yeah, he would go on alcohol, just a, wow. he'd just go on a bender. And here, here's something that I don't understand, to be quite honest with you. Um, maybe I don't know what this man's diet was or what he was doing or what 10 times is a lot, 10 uh, times per day. And I don't know if somebody's saying like, this is like an old wives tales or like a glory, a story of like, well, my dad used to, I mean, I don't know why you'd brag about that, but to me, I'm, I'm thinking to myself 10 times is that's a lot of times. That is a lot of times, unless it's 10 times at 30 seconds a piece. Yeah. I mean, but still, you- that only ends up being 300 seconds. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, like maybe, maybe 10 times is a lot for him because he's a premature ejaculator. I don't know. This is, there's a lot of weird stuff that's happening in here, but I can't, I can't understand the 10 times. Yeah. Um, what, what we can take away from this safely is knowing that she grew up in a household where violence was commonplace. Yep. Watching her mother being degraded, but, he was using a form of intimacy to do it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's severely debilitating to a growing child's mind. And we're going to see that play out uh, most definitely as the story continues. Um, But she would often tell her daughters, uh, Barbara, this is uh, Catherine's mother, would often tell the kids uh, intimate details about her sex life, apparently. This is probably further... Uh, damaging the kids and how much that she hated to have sex with men. Mm, um, that seems a little inappropriate for a growing mind, but you know, it's, it's whatever. Yeah. Later on, Catherine would, or complain to her mother that she had to take part in sex acts that she didn't want to. And Barbara ba- ba- basically told her to put up with it and stop complaining. Wow. So that's and, some old school, like housewife advice. Yeah. Like just. Take it and move on. Like, and there was a guy, I remember one time there was a guy that was running for, for like mayor or something out of Midland. And they were asking him a question about, uh, sexual assaults or something like that. And I think his quote was, is that, uh, you know, if you get put in a bad situation like that, it's best just to lay back and take it and then, and then move on. And it was, I just want to go ahead and say I don't agree with that. No, of course not. I don't <laughs> but, agree with but any that, of that. Yeah. That also ended his uh, political career. I imagine uh, it did. And I'm glad it did because uh, that was, I, I mean, I was. That's pretty calloused. Yeah, I was a child, I think, whenever that happened, but it, it sure did come up a lot. <laughs> I'm sure it did. It's going to follow him for the rest of his life. Yeah. Now, Catherine, uh, she was, she claims to have been frequently and uh, sexually abused by members of her family as well. And she, Starting at the age of 11. Now, I think a lot of people had doubts about some of the details or or whatever the case may be. But Mm -hmm. I think speaking from experience in the police world in lower income, especially really poor areas, it doesn't necessarily have to be that uh, that exact situation. But I don't doubt that she is not telling the truth. I, I think that. Based on the way that she was raised, the people that she was around, things like that. Yeah, I'd say that I, I, I definitely lean closer into believing that claim than not. Because if you're a boy, cousin, brother, anything like that, watching your father act like that, then you're going to act like that. Yeah, you're going to repeat yeah. what you see. And, and I think this plays out a lot in the fact that... Uh, when she, when, when she was in school, she did not excel in any sort of way. Uh, they said that 
it was uh, yeah she had the brain of probably a smaller child when it comes to development and education yeah terrible student when she dropped out of school uh she could not re- even read or write and uh some some places even stated that she didn't even know how to write her own name wow and i think when you, when you get into a situation like that and especially as she gets older and develops in these relationships that she's going to have with all these different guys uh you can definitely see a um communication breakdown and i think that's one of the reasons that she turns to violence so quickly is right she does not know how to express herself in a way that will make her significant other or whatever understand she doesn't have the ability to do that and so her her next best option is she just turns to violence yeah so in school in my research i read that she was seemingly a pleasant girl yep who wasn't too bright but what really stuck out the most to pretty much everyone when asked about her when she was younger she was considered a bully that dominated all the smaller children around her um and she wasn't a very big child herself I mean, to have that type of schoolyard, um, like scrappy mentality kind of, oh, yeah. I mean, just, just to have that type of school, schoolyard, um, reputation. Yeah. Schoolyard <clears throat> reputation. Yeah, of to just have that type of schoolyard probably reputation. Probably knocking folks out in the playground. She was. And, uh, I believe one of the quotes I read as she developed is that she was prone to murderous rages. You heard that correctly. Murderous. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Yeah. Uh, rages when mildly upset. So this not too bright and not a bad looking, uh, woman, but not definitely not bombshell, uh, would just fly off the handle. I believe she even assaulted teachers several mm-hmm. times while she was in school. But then eventually, like you said, she left school when she was 15 years old. And she couldn't even read or write. At 15 years old, she could not read or write. And like you said, couldn't even write her own name. And, um, and that's not going to, I mean, in anywhere in the world, anytime, uh, especially more recently in the last hundred years, that's not going to bode well for anybody. No. Z- t- take anybody with this exact situation and hopefully they figure out a way to pull themselves out of the message. But in this situation, I, I don't see how you could, especially in the in the community that they lived in. It's kind of, I mean, it's not it's not like Amarillo, but it's kind of similar in the fact of meat production mm-hmm. and manufacturing and all the plants that we have around here. Uh, that a lot of kids out of high school and a lot of people come to this area to take those jobs, That's and right. to get those jobs, and so if you basically have no skill set whatsoever. That's right. They can find a place for you. You can start is, at the bottom and then go up. So she's 15, 15 years, years old. old. So this is she... 1970 yep. when she drops out of high school. And she goes straight to work at a clothing factory mm-hmm. where she was a cutter, uh, from what I read, before moving on to the slaughterhouse. Her quote-unquote dream job. Yes, her dream job, cutting up awful at the abattoir. Which is a, such an awesome word. It is a classy word for slaughterhouse. Yes. Um, where I think she I'm going to start using that here. You should. You should. It definitely would add a little class to you. <laughs> um, but then she moves on to boning. Mm-hmm. So now she's cutting the bones out of the carcasses. And for this, she was given a set of butchering knives. 
And this is probably one of my favorite details about Catherine Knight's story is that, that she took those knives and hung them over her bed so they were, quote, always ready if she needed them in every home she ever lived in. Yeah, she would place hooks in the wall. Yeah. And that not like, not like she had these packing items so that she could just set, you know, a, uh, a, a deal of knives on top of, of a shelf. Now she put hooks in the wall and hung that. I, I can't imagine if I was in a dating relationship with this woman, oh, my how Lord. unsettling Took that would be. Took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, I can't. You're going back. You're going to seal the deal. You went well. You both swiped right. You went out. You had a couple of laughs. Grabbed a couple of pilsners at the pub, <laughs> and then you head back. She leads you into her. It leads you into her bedroom, and there's just like, a whole <laughs> bandolier of chef's knives above the bed, and you're like, very specific yeah. knives that do very specific things. That's right. And so now you're immediately regretting all of the shots that she was putting down your throat because yeah. you're like, oh, this is such a great idea. I'm going to die. Yeah. This is the end. Yeah. So let's get to that first man. Who, mm-hmm. I mean, n- not the first. He's not the one that dies, but let me let me, let me me tell you what happens to him. So this is uh, David Collette. Uh, now, her next... Uh, lover will also be named David, so I think we'll just uh, refer to him by their last name. That's, if that's smart. cool with you. So yeah, we'll just we'll do, do Colette. So she she meets her her she she starts dating uh, a, a man named David Colette. Uh, he was a I guess one you know one of the drinking guys. Uh, she was also part of that group where you know it's probably a, a bunch of people that went out after work, got hammered, drunk cussed a lot, got into a lot of fights, mm-hmm. and, you know, things of that nature. Well, somehow, uh, they they fell in love with each other, and so they started dating, and I guess basically what happened is, is that Catherine, wh- while they were dating, told Colette that uh, they were going to get married. Her choice. Mm-hmm. She just said, you know, at this time, uh, I think she was around 18-ish yeah. years she old. she meets him in 1973. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry, I believe the term is falls for him. Yeah. In 1973, and by before 1974, she's telling this man. We're getting married. We're getting married, because I'm sure she doesn't have the intelligence to understand that dating doesn't have to end in marriage. No. And I think for her, she was looking at everything that was happening around her and deciding that this is the norm. I'm sure that's how she was raised. That's what women, that's what a woman does. You work for your family, you find a man, you make babies, yep. you're done. And I think that's one of the things that I heard uh, when I was researching this is that at the age of 18 or 19 years old, not being married kind of put her behind the ball in, in everybody's opinion. Like, she that's should right. have already been married and started having kids at this point. Oof. And so her and Colette get married in 1974, and apparently they arrived at the service on her motorcycle and uh, yeah at first i was thinking this whole time before we did this show that that he drives up on the motorcycle and she's with him but now that i know kind of how the dynamics of this woman work i i i often picture in my head the fact that she's probably driving this motorcycle and he's hanging on the back because one of the things that now at this point like you said earlier she wasn't very she wasn't a big person in school but I read in some places she was anywhere from six foot to six foot two ish. We'll call it six one. Holy smokes! Whenever, whenever she so was, she grew up. So so she grew up. So I I can imagine that uh, Colette was on the back 
of the motorcycle and uh to use a uh, australian term they were both pissed and uh, that means they were pissed drunk they were hammered uh highly intoxicated and as soon as the uh as soon as they arrived to uh the wedding ceremony barbara gave old uh dave colette some advice and i don't know this uh this is going to be some some kind of sensitive language so if you have anybody that uh, you don't want to hear uh hear us talk about this it'll be definitely something that uh uh, that you want to get the kids out of the room if they're listening. So it, this is what Catherine's mom, Barbara, told uh, Colette before they got married. Yeah. You want to read that, Mike? Yeah. He said, quote, The old girl said to me to watch out. You better watch this one or she'll fucking kill you. Stir her up the wrong way or do the wrong thing and you're fucked. Don't ever think of playing up on her. She'll fucking kill you. And that was her mother talking. She told me she's got something loose. She's got a screw loose somewhere. End quote. So this is on his wedding day. This They're about to walk down the aisle. They're about to walk down the aisle. And she's like, oh, hey, uh, Dave, you, hey, you got a second? You got a quick minute? And he's like, oh, my, my future mother-in-law is going to give me some <laughs> words of encouragement. Boom. And then she hits you with that. And it's like one of those things where, I, to me, I, I would probably rethink a lot of some things that were going on in my life. But I don't think he has the option. Yeah, this dude's already hammered, so I'm sure he wasn't really processing this on every cylinder. So he's probably like, you know what? I'm a I'm a big, tough working man. I think I can handle it. Yeah, I got this. Little did he know, he didn't got it. No, he did so, not. It, yeah, so on the, on the night that they got married, they went back to wherever they went back to, and... Uh, I believe the term is to consummate yes. the, the marriage. And... So after having intercourse three times, Dave Collette falls asleep. And we also have to have to take into consideration that they've been drinking for two days straight, mm -hmm. from what I understood in the research. They've been drinking for two days straight. They get married. They keep drinking. They go back to consummate the thing three times. Yes. He falls asleep. She stays awake and stews about it. She's mad. Yeah. She's mad that it was only three times. And that wasn't satisfactory because uh, she goes on to start strangling him. Yes. What? Strangling him. He wakes up to his... He's passed out. Yeah. And then he wakes up to... His bride strangling him because he wasn't able to have intercourse more than three times on their wedding day. Yeah. And uh, I don't... I See? It's, it's crazy. The standard here is unattainable for no. the average man. And if you think about it, uh, like you and I were talking about before the before we started the episode, if she was watching her father sexually assault her mother ten times a day, she was probably thinking, oh, and now that I think about it, her mother Barbara told her before the wedding that her and her husband had done it five times on their wedding night. So I think that might have been a, oh, a bit goodness. of, of uh, competition there, where she was probably telling her, she was probably trying to wake Colette up and be like, hey, we still have two more times to tie. Three. To get the win. To get the, yeah, to get the win. So after this, uh, after the wedding, uh, Catherine gets pregnant, and in her pregnancy, she did not calm down 
one single bit. No. One one night, uh, I guess uh, uh, Dave Collette was in a darts competition, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I, from what I understand, she didn't have a problem with him drinking because she herself was a heavy drinker. Now, I don't know because she was pregnant if she was still drinking. I'm going to assume that we're not making – actually, let's just not make any assumptions because – Yeah, not know. about that one. That seems kind of triggering. Yeah. Yeah. And so so uh, Dave Collette, he gets in a darts tournament, and for him, as luck would have it, he makes it to the finals, which I think in any situation, if you're going to be in a competition, you're going to want to win. Darts was the bee's knees, yeah. too. So especially like he's hanging out at a bar, he's probably got his own like little dart kit mm-hmm. that he takes with him and puts in his pocket and just mm-hmm. has it. And like, and if you're one of those unlucky people that works with him, he's like, opens the box. He's like, check out these new darts I got. Yeah. You're like, no, oh, no, thanks. Don't touch them. Don't touch them though. Mm-hmm. It's like, don't want you to break my fins. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. No. And you're like, oh yeah, cool, Dave. Nice to see your darts collection. Yeah, I know, Dave. You got nice darts. So he makes it to the finals. Don't believe he gets the dub though. He doesn't. And and I bet he wished he would have because when he got home, Catherine was so mad that he didn't come home on time because apparently she didn't mind if he went out drinking, but he had to be home when she said he had to be home. Mm-hmm. And so it, she started the clock, I guess, and Dave uh didn't make it at the buzzer, so uh she chopped up all of his clothes. And when he came home, he found all of his clothes. All of his clothes were chopped up, and just to get the point across a little more, she smashed him in the head with a firing pan. She, I read, she smashed the hell out of his head. Yes, he tried to run away, but eventually passed out from the cranial damage <laughs> because he had multiple skull fractures. This is like, think of any movie ever where somebody takes. A cast iron pan to the head. You get that nice wong. Yeah. This is what this dude took in the back of the head. For real. He wouldn't even looking. No. To the back of the head. We're not talking about one of those, what are they, Teflon? Yeah. Little, like, frying pans that we probably have in our kitchens now where we think, like, no. We're talking about a frying pan, like, for real deal. Like yeah. you said, probably a cast iron skillet where she just, like, rears back and just cracks this dude's this nugget. This sucker weighs nine pounds, I bet. Yeah. yeah. And, and he and it just pops his nugget right in the house. Mm-hmm. He tries to run away. He passes out in the yard. Uh, he's eventually found, I guess some neighbors called the police. But he was treated for a, a badly fractured skull, as Mike pointed out. And the police wanted to press charges on her, which in this situation, I actually found that the police were trying to do some somewhat of a of a good job in getting Catherine put in prison. However, she sweet-talked old Colette into dropping the charges. This guy, you know... I have some questions about this man's character. Love knows no bounds. You know what? You maybe just answered him because I was thinking, how on earth does all this happen to you and you're still like, this is the one? Or she was like, hey, Dave, um... The police are going to come talk to you later, and you're going to let them know that everything's cool. Otherwise, uh, those knives that are above my bed, those are going to be inside you. Not I, my frying pan. I can, I can see this that. This time, it's the knives. Yeah. There's probably a lot more cursing involved. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And uh, and normally, we try to keep that out of the podcast, try to keep it as clean as possible. 
uh, unless we're directly quoting something which happened earlier and which I believe you have to get. I mean, if they have a direct quote, I want to read it directly. Yeah, of course. At, as far point. as that goes. But I think that um, because they said because in the research they said that she dated guys typically that were smaller than her, I think that's probably purely a dominance thing on I, her end. Absolutely. I don't have a question about that at all. She wanted to know that if she wanted to beat that fella up, she knew she was going to. Yeah, she could. And also the fact that her herself and the men that she dates and marries are heavy alcohol users, if she just tones it back a little bit or – uses that drunk strength that she has. I mean, I, I pretty much see it as a, as a win mm -hmm. the, every single time. I'm going to go ahead and say that Catherine Knight doesn't have drunk strength. She just got strength strength. Yeah. Like, she's she's a hard lady. The more I read about her, the more I felt like her life reads like a tall tale about Calamity Jane than it does an <laughs> actual person. Yeah. Because she was hard. Yeah. And... This As doesn't seem along, real. No, it doesn't seem real because she's, she has, she ends up having so many kids and so many jobs and so much violence. Yep. And it just progresses and progresses and you're like, where does it end? I mean, we know where it does and, and you'll hear that in a minute. But I just kept like, I feeling my eyes get wider like she did what? Yeah. She did what? Every single time. And so- Let's, let's, so we'll fast forward. So, uh, Catherine gives birth to her and David's, uh, David Collette's first child, uh, Melissa Ann. And then after this, Dave Collette left her for another woman and moved to Queensland. God, that was not smart. And apparently he could not, this, this is the point where he decides that he can't put up with how possessive and violent she is. And he decides that that he's going to leave after the baby was born, which uh, good on him if it actually if it actually if it actually took. But after the baby was born, probably not a good idea, because after this, uh, Catherine is seen pushing Melissa down the street in a in a stroller, and she's like violently throwing the stroller side to side. With the baby inside of it. Goodness gracious. And so people obviously see this, call it in. This is the first time that she's admitted to a psychiatric facility. I'm assuming that St. Elmo's Hospital uh, in Tamworth was a psychiatric facility. I hope it was, but since we're kind of jumping back to the 70s, um, psych issues and mental health wasn't a as big of a talking point as it is now. Oh, not even close. And in some scenario, in most scenarios, it was also considered a point of weakness. And so a lot of people did not mention that. I'm glad now that it's more of an understanded mm -hmm. um, uh, was, issue that, that people have. It was very stigmatized back then. Absolutely. And so she spent a couple weeks in there recovering. Uh, and after she was released, uh, they were hoping that she maybe might go on more of a straight and narrow However, comma, uh, two months later, she took old Melissa and left her on a, a railroad track, rail railway line, as, as they said. Left her baby on the tracks. Yep, left her baby on the tracks. And um, uh, shortly after that, she stole a axe and went into town 
and threatened to kill several people. Now, lucky for, for more, I guess more lucky for Melissa, uh, there was a guy nicknamed, or his name was probably Ted, but they called him Old Ted. And, uh, he was, <laughs> Old Ted. Old Ted just swinging in to rescue the child? Well, he was, uh, he was walking near the railroad tracks, uh, looking for berries and such. I don't know why. Is Old Ted a bum? I, I guess he could be. Do you know what the difference between a bum and a hobo is? I don't. A hobo travels, and a bum stays in one place. Thank you. I, did, I actually did not know and that. And you were all welcome. I thought you were about to... <laughs> no. I thought you were about to put me in some line of a joke or something. No, that's a real factoid, and so what I was getting at is old Ted, a bum, or a hobo. But if he's known locally, he'd have to be more of a bum, if he was yeah. at all. But he's also by the railroad tracks. And saves Melissa Ann. Yeah, saves her life. And uh, apparently this is also minutes before a train passed by. Uh, I don't know how how much truth is to that, but I'm going to assume if it's like any railroad tracks around here, it's pretty often. I mean, trains go by. Yeah, I mean, yeah we have it a big, really is. We have a railroad depot, I guess you could say, in Amarillo. Mm-hmm. And so the, the in and out tracks around here are are pretty heavy. Oh, yeah. So she's taken back to, after she leaves her baby on the railroad tracks and then threatens to kill a bunch of people with casually. an axe. Casually. Yes, casually. Uh, she's taken back to St. Elmo's Hospital to recover again, uh, but she signed herself out the following day. Wait. So, so why'd they even take her? How did, how did they even take her there? This is what I'm, this is what I'm talking about when I don't understand what the police in this town specifically are doing because i know some people are saying to themselves right now like the same thing i was thinking to myself why why aren't the police doing anything but the the level of care that somebody is going to get i.e melissa and the level of of trouble or accountability that kathleen uh, uh, catherine god why do i keep calling her kathleen i don't know but you need to quit i know it catherine uh has is based solely off of the effort that the police are going to give. And apparently in this situation and, and what they're held accountable to by their chief or whatever they're called over there, chief mm-hmm. of police or, or, you know, here, chief of police or sheriff's deputy, I mean, a uh, uh, sheriff, but apparently it's not much because if she was able to sign herself out the next day, no charges, no nothing. How on earth? Because just in the experience I have with, um, people in mental crisis, if you, you, they don't get to sign themselves out. No. If you take the effort to detain someone on a psych hold and take them to what we have here in Amarillo called the pavilion. Yeah, we talked about this in, uh, yeah, with the, the Dr. Sonia murder. And they don't get to sign themselves no. out. Like they're held there for, for a while. We signed the paperwork as the, as the, uh, law enforcement agency. Duly sworn peace officers, if mm-hmm. you will, that this person needs a psychiatric evaluation and they don't get to leave until they have one. As long as you have probable cause to believe that they're a danger to themselves or others, that person's getting taken away. And But they can also still be charged with the offense that got your attention in the first place. In this occasion, Catherine's going around threatening people with a dang axe. Yeah. And they're just like, she's just having a bad day. Yeah. Let's let her cool off. They're like, hey, you better? She's like, yep, I'm going to go ahead and sign myself out. Never mind those aggravated assault charges. Yeah. 
And you know, like the way that I the way that I read and interpreted some of the information was is that local law enforcement was just kind of like, there goes Kathy again, crazy Kathy, <laughs> and she does it. You know, and everybody's just like, this is what she does. And wow. I, I I don't understand that. And so only a few days after she signs herself out of uh, St. Elmo's Hospital, she takes a knife and grabs a woman, cuts her on the face with it, and then demand that she drive her to Queensland because she needs to find David Collette. God. Now, the woman apparently has, uh, it's her and her family, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, and she, she, she leaves, they leave together in the woman's car, but the woman tells her that she needs to stop for some petrol at mm-hmm. a uh, station. She got to gas her up, got to yes. gas up the car. And when she stops at the gas station, uh, her and her family are able to escape because while they're at the gas station, Catherine decides she's got to, she's got to take care of a little business. She's got to check. She got to cash. Got to have money. Yeah. I mean, got to have money on you. She goes into the convenience store as, as we know them. And uh, cashes a check. And when this is all going down, uh, the women and her children escape at the service station. And by the time the police get there, uh, because they, they obviously called the police because they were taken hostage, Catherine had taken a little boy hostage. My and was God. now threatening the little boy with a knife. So we have two ag assaults and multiple kidnappings. Just, just right now. Yeah, and then after, okay, so after they get the boy away from her, the police have to go after Catherine with brooms, literal, like straw brooms. Wow! To disarm her and take her into custody, and this time she goes to a different hospital, which this was an actual. Uh, it looks like it's an actual psychiatric hospital. So they're so underprepared to deal with a type of assailant like Catherine. They have to swat her with a broom like she's a raccoon on the back porch. Yes. <laughs> because they can't get the knife away from her. So now I, I, I don't know a lot about Australian law enforcement, but I do know they don't they emulate like British law enforcement. So they don't have guns. Like their their officers don't carry firearms back in the 70s. I don't think so. And I, I don't think uh they're just they just carry like billy clubs. Yeah. Nightsticks, a club, something like that. So I mean, you're going against somebody if they know old crazy Catherine and her knife skills are like I'm not getting in there with my 18-inch billy club. Yeah. She'll cut me to ribbons. So quickly. And she's and she's handy with the blade. Right. And they're like, real quick, toss us a couple of the sweepers. We're going to go ahead and try to swat the knife. I mean, this whole thing just gives me heebs thinking about trying to, like, being that defenseless. Yeah, and there's was, there was also, in, in all of this, there was also an incident that happened uh, with a serviceman. Uh, that helped actually fix David Collette's car before he left. So she had some beef with him, too. And uh, she wanted to kill him as well, but uh, she didn't. She ended up not 
killing him. He is a man with one leg, but I can't remember what his name was because they called him one leg something. Of uh, course they did. Yeah, one leg. Let's just say one leg Johnny. But that part of my notes uh, has eluded me. So now, after all of this happened, the police were going to release Catherine into the care of her mother-in-law because she was still legally married to David Collette. And so she was going to be released uh, to the mother-in-law. I guess the mother-in-law called Dave Collette and told him what was going on. And so when he found out, when Dave Collette found out about all this, he decided that he was going to leave his new girlfriend, who was also pregnant. Wow. Lots of kids going here. So there, there's going to be a lot more kids, so y'all hang in there with us. So he leaves his new girlfriend and goes back home to Aberdeen uh, to support his wife and uh, and hopefully his mother because uh, they got all kinds of crazy going on up in there now. Dude, that it for real. Uh, and so she's released to the mother-in-law. Uh, she got another job uh, in in meat works, as they call it. And um, on uh, March uh, March sixth, nineteen eighty, Catherine and David had another daughter, Natasha Marie. I'm guessing that's Marie M A R E E. Now the the strange thing is, is that after all of this happens, Catherine is the one that decides that she's now going to leave David Collette. What a mess. Yeah. So all of this happens. She goes on this maniac. It's like she, she's a maniac and goes on this crazy tear and just victimizes a whole entire family. Yes. This poor mechanic that's only got one leg. One leg Johnny. A poor bastard. Yeah. And then she decides after it's all said and done, she's done. <laughs> she's going to leave him anyway. Yeah. She, she left him anyways. <laughs> Uh, now, although um, she uh, so after leaving David uh, Colette and getting her her job back uh, in the meatworks uh, process, she ended injured her back and figured out a way to spin that into a disability pension. And so this made it to where she did not need to work anymore, but she can just live off the government. That was a pretty cunning move for somebody who isn't very educated. Yeah. I mean, she just took it and just went, just, she's like, hey, guess what? I injured my back. File a claim. Bingo, bango, bongo. I'm out. Mm-hmm. So she's out of the, uh, she's out of the meat cutting business, I guess. So now let's enter David number two. Mm-hmm. This is where, at this point in the story, is where she meets and falls in love with a minor. Uh, not a minor like a child, but the actual, you know, the, yeah. the job of a minor, mining materials, whatever those might be. Because <laughs> apparently in this, in this, ter- in this area, mining and, um, kind of slaughterhouses were the, were the main. Mining and meatworks. Yeah. Were the main, uh, industries in that area. So a few months into their relationship, uh, David number two decides that he is going to, I said I was going to call him by the last names and then I've recreated names for him. Mm-hmm. So anyway, sorry about that. I'm keep going. So Dave number two rolls in a few months after that. Uh, they decide that they are going to move in together. And uh, David Saunders, Dave number two has two daughters 
that he moves in with them, which I cannot understand why in the world you would ever do that. Um, but he also has an apartment, but luckily for him, he keeps that apartment. Now, Catherine is extremely jealous about the fact that he has this second apartment and because she's thinking that it's like his hookup pad. Like he's like taking his side piece back over there mm. and, and doing the business. Even though he's not, she still frequently just throws him out of the house. So he just goes back to the apartment. And then that gives her a good reason to be like, oh, he's at his, he's at his hookup pad hooking up with some chicks, but it's, he just keeps getting thrown out of her house. Wow. Even though he, he, he kind of comes and goes, he, uh, ends up moving back in with her every single time, um, because she always somehow begs him to return and he does it. Now, this is the part of the, the story where I think it's interesting because now we got two different guys here where, sh- where you have, you have clear abuse, but somehow she always gets them back. Yeah. This, this is a, high level of manipulation she's casting over these fellas so much drinking and violence and mistrust and they just keep coming back and they're clearly not stopping having intercourse because they're having kids yep getting ready to have another one i know it and so i don't know what she's got going on but it works because they just keep returning. Yeah. I'm guessing that maybe her over average sex drive and abilities might make up for some of this. I don't know. I'm speculating here, but I'm just, <laughs> I don't know what else it could be. I don't know when what else it could be. We're talking about men in general, and you break us down to our uh, caveman mentality of, of brain that we have. Mm-hmm. That's the only thing I can think of. Like, if you just whittle it down to the, the easiest answer you can come to. Is that she used... It she had to used, be the bedroom. She used sex to bring them yeah, back. it had to be the bedroom. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure anybody... We all thought about that at some point, but you gotta think... Or they're scared. I, well, I know they're scared. <laughs> this doesn't seem like the kind of woman that you wouldn't be afraid of. No. Uh, um, you're I'm, smaller than her. She cusses like a sailor, drinks like a fish... Has a bunch of knives over the bed. Ugh. And I'm just like, wow. Who? I want to see who are these guys. Where are they at in their life? Where they're like, this seems like a good deal. And I was going to add in there. Her only uh, words of wisdom are the radio edit. Radio edit. Yeah. Yeah. Nice, nice, nice. Of... Yeah. Uh, now, okay. So <laughs> we'll keep going here. So David number two, David Saunders, he rolls back in. Catherine is pregnant again and in the process after dave dave number two comes back in they get into an argument and Catherine rushes out the back door now dave saunders is thinking to himself this is fine i'll just let her go cool off he goes out into the backyard later remembering that he's got a eight week old uh dingo puppy which uh a dango which you're not allowed to have in the United States. Can't have that. Can't have those dogs. Mm-hmm. Weird thing. I don't know why. Maybe it's because same reason you're not probably allowed to have pet wolves. But I can tell you this in the state of Texas. You know what you can have as a pet? What's that? Tigers. That's right. Sure can. 
Texas has, I, I, I heard this on a podcast one time. I think it was Joe Rogan who was talking about it. Texas has more tigers per capita than anywhere else in the world as far as like zoos or actual phys- Just for some reason, you can have tigers in the state of Texas. On my vacation, I saw a tiger. Did you? I did. It was large and majestic. And uh, I like tigers. Was it in? The, was it in a zoo? It was, in fact, in the zoo. Was it? I don't know anybody have cool any enough. Overweight for, lemurs in there. There was a lot of overweight creatures. Yeah, just across the board. Do you remember that picture I sent you like five years ago? Mm-hmm. We were at the Dallas Zoo. Yes, and there was just those fat lemurs Dude, just resting on that log, just so sitting fat. like a human. Like this thing was like sitting like a human would sit, like jelly gut, like jelly gut slunched over, like. <laughs> Uh, when are y'all gonna bring out that dinner? Yeah, I remember one of them treats at. And, and it's a dollar just... for a handful of treats. <laughs> Give me the treats. This thing was so. You got any cigarette butts? <laughs> yeah, it was too. So, all right. So, the dingo pup is out in the backyard, and Dave number two remembers that his his uh, puppy is out in the backyard. So he goes out there to make sure that nothing bad happens to it. But something bad has already happened to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Catherine, in her own words, said it was a clean cut. But what she did was she picked up this eight-week-old dingo pup and she slit its throat. And it apparently just bled all over her because she had blood on her. And uh, She just held the thing while it died? Mm-hmm. Clean cut. Cut his throat. That You know what? That is the one detail I'd be concerned about. Game over. Yeah. And Yikes. And this is... Uh, to be said again, this is a woman who knows exactly what she's doing. Yes. There is also a incident, I believe, I can't remember which boyfriend or husband it was, uh, but one of them, one of the Daves, I believe, woke up to Catherine holding a knife to his jugular vein. Mm-hmm. And uh, she was upset about something and saying, telling him how easy it would be for her just to end his life. And for some reason, she lost interest and went back to sleep, uh, luckily for him. But uh, this is just a nightmare yeah. scenario. So Dave number two gets scared and runs out of the house thinking he's next, which I'm Why sure in a situation that? like that. Yeah, yeah she just killed a puppy. Probably were. Yeah. But she gets a shotgun and goes over to her family's house and says that she had killed Dave number two. But then later just laughs it off and is like, I'm just kidding. I just killed his dog. <laughs> oh, Lord. <laughs> it just, I just killed the puppy. So no one freak out or anything. I yeah, mean, it's not like. Just a defenseless puppy. Yeah. And, uh, all right. So baby number three comes in. Uh, this is another daughter. Her name is Sarah. And this, when, when Sarah is born with an H, she decides, I mean, uh, Dave number two decides that he's going to put a deposit down uh, on a house, which I guess later uh, Catherine paid off with some of her workman's comp stuff when it came through. And um, from what this this seems to always be a, a, a point that everybody likes to bring up. She decorated the house in a way that was very creepy. Uh, what I mean by that is there's a lot of animal skins and skulls, horns, old uh, animal traps, um, leather jackets, boots, rakes, pic- 
pitchforks, like a bunch of odd little. I mean, so it's not hobby. She lobby. decorated her house like a novelty restaurant, like a Bennigan's. Yeah, actually, it kind of sounds like that. Or I, like I mean, a, I guess more scary though. But yeah, that's implied. It's like a house of a thousand corpses. Yeah, and so there was. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. They're saying that no space in the house, including the ceiling, was left untouched. So not only do you have to deal with the fact that if you're laying in bed with her, there are literal knives that she's used to kill things with. Yes. Including for Dave number two, his own dog. Oh, Lord. And then you might be laying in bed with a bear trap above your head or whatever traps she had. I don't, I mean. Dave Saunders, you bought her a house after she did that. I got some follow-up questions. (laughs) Yeah. A lot of follow-up questions because it gets better. Now they're in. They get into an argument after they're in in their new uh, in their new pad, and uh, she. I guess she decides that Dave Number Two is lipping off a little too much, so she smashed him in the face with an iron, and then she stabbed him in his gut with a pair of scissors. <laughs> and at this point, Dave decides. Dave Number Two decides um, he's moving back to his other apartment. No kidding. That's what it took. I guess uh, at the point where you got smashed in the face with the iron, Mm -hmm. or was it the stab to the stomach with the scissors, somewhere in there he started reevaluating his uh, situation. Yeah, he did have some time to do it while he was probably convalescing in a hospital. Yep. Uh, If he even went. Because what what I'm getting from some of these people is, like, obviously this is commonplace. You know what? I. This is Australia. They probably just walked it off. Yeah. Just rubbed some dirt on it. There's some tough old boys down there. Yeah. And girls, apparently, looks oh. like. <laughs> yeah, you got me there. I should have said that. Yeah, tough old boys and girls, apparently, because she's, she is a wild yeah. lady. I can just imagine Catherine just be, like being in a bar around her, and she's like, how tough a boy are you? And then she just whips you in front of all your friends. You just get made fun of for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know that all the way. She might also take you home after that. That's also true. Because it is said that she enjoyed uh, she enjoyed the company of a man that would throw down with her. Like if they're in a situation where uh, she got to a bar fight or her current boyfriend or husband got to a bar fight, she'd just jump in there and throw hands with everybody else. Enjoyed it, actually. I got to say, I would also respect that. Um, but because of it's Catherine Knight, I'm going to say no. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, you're right. Now it's, and, and Catherine was also the type of woman that, uh, after she was put into the mental institution and got back out and Dave number one mm-hmm. came back home. So, uh, I forgot to mention this earlier, but this is a good good time to go ahead and add it in because we're talking about fighting and and the the kind of connection that that Catherine had with her her boyfriends and husbands. But after Dave number one left, knocked up the other chick and came back, Catherine's mom Barbara went outside when he pulled up at the house to give him the business, and uh, she, apparently Catherine went out there and like as her mom's like chewing Dave number one out and punching him. She just spins her mom around and just gives her three piece and a soda. Just right there in the front yard and just knocks her out. She punches her mom out because she's yelling at her man? Yeah. Knocked her own mother out with her fists. Just went outside and she's like, excuse me, mama. Turns her around. She's like, 
cram. Take you one of these, just crams you right in your cram <laughs> oh hole. Oh my god, dude. Yeah. And wow. uh yeah, this this is this is a caliber of woman we're talking about here, and I you know, she's a tough old bird, I'll give her that. Uh so after uh Dave number two is hit in the face with the iron and stabbed in the stomach, he leaves and goes back to his apartment. Uh he he also tells his work that he needs to take a leave of absence so that he could go into hiding. My God. Oh, yeah. So not only does he go into hiding, but Catherine spins it around and yeah. makes him sound like he's the aggressor. Yeah. And she gets a protective order, but they don't call it that. Yeah. Uh, uh, a apprehended violence order, AVO, is what they call so it. So she gets a protective order against him, even though she stabbed him with scissors and cracked him in the head with an iron. Yeah. And I guess after he goes into hiding, she tries very hard to find him. And apparently nobody would give up where he was. And so she does what she's already done before. And he comes back to the house to to try to see his daughter, Sarah, that they have together. And apparently she had um, burned all of his clothes, I believe. Is is the way that they put it. Yeah, but let's go ahead and call that a loss at this point. I don't even know why. Take the L and leave. Yeah, John's. I, I mean, Dave Saunders. <laughs> Dave Saunders. Dave number two. Get out of there. Get out of there. Why like are, already. Yeah. Why? Are, why are you still even there? And I don't know why, but I guess maybe to like hit somebody like really hard. I know, like when I was growing up, like when I was in elementary school. Uh, and, and things like that. Like, this is one of those dad moments I have with my kids where I tell my kids, like, we got new shoes at the beginning of school Mm -hmm. and that was it. Yeah. That's all I got growing up. You got a couple pairs of pants, you got some clothes. Mm -hmm. Like I remember when I was a little kid, uh, I, I think I was in like second or third grade. I, I laid, I laid out my clothes in my closet on what I was going to wear Monday through Friday to school. But it was the same five things over and over and over. Yeah. It wasn't like... The same. Yeah. You know, like now I go back there and look at my kids' closets and I'm like, what? Yeah. I understand. got kids and they're all their stuff and everything's mm-hmm. got to be Under Armour and I just want to smack them and not, yeah. not really. But. I, had, I had like one set of clothes. I almost only ever had two or three pairs of pants ever in my life. And then I had the one over there called like the church clothes. Yeah. And you didn't ever wear those except to go to church. Yeah. Like, and if you blew a hole in, like, your church clothes in the knee. Oh, it's over. You're, yeah. Like, uh, my mom, who, uh, who loves, who loves the show, obviously, but she, mm-hmm. she, she, she won't mind if I say this. But What's up, mama? What's up, mom? She would, uh, she'd take the old wooden spoon to the old oh, yeah. buns. You know, the, the Kool-Aid spoon that you mm-hmm. stirred up the Kool-Aid oh, with? Oh, you know it. She, you just hear that thing just go, shh, coming out of the little, uh, ceramic, the little pitcher where Pitch, all the wood. Yes, yeah, yeah. I got one on my kitchen pit. right now. I think I got one over there. And you just hear that thing clearing the 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 rest of the utensils that were in there. Just mm-hmm. make that whoosh sound. You knew it was. You mm-hmm. messed up. Yeah, you don't push the limits too far. And you're not allowed to run away. No. And I will say this: uh, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time, my sister and I deserved it. We, That's nice of you to we say. Were, we were hellions whenever. Because we your mom's a listener. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think this is one of the things where, 
when we're talking about the clothes and we're talking about uh, people with not a lot of income, in- income, this hits really hard. I mean, he had two places to live, though. Yeah, that's true. I, I would assume that he had the money to... I, I just keep coming back to that, and I don't think I'm done doing that either. <laughs> um, what was happening in these men's lives where they're like, but she's got it going on. I gots to go back. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, she stabbed you. And he's like, it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. She's it. I love her. I made a baby with her. Yeah. And so I'm going to go ahead and go back. She somehow makes these guys feel bad about her assaulting them for doing nothing. Yeah. This is the class. This is, I mean, to me, did you hear more of this, obviously, with guy-girl relationship where the guy beats up the girl and then convinces them that, oh, he was just drunk and he won't ever do it again. Right. And then they stay. This is that same classic line. It's just in the reverse. Right. And I think that's what makes this case so interesting, fascinating, really, is that this wild woman uh, flips the script just right over from what we would commonly view as, like, domestic violence. Now, yeah. I'm sure th- and there are times when these fellows probably fought back not very well, I imagine. She doesn't look like she's probably very easy to whip. No, I I wouldn't. I I almost think to myself that if if they did fight back at any level, she just returned it tenfold. Yeah, for real. And and so you only make that mistake one time. Yeah, like a, like we said in the beginning, <laughs> man, we're all a product of our raising. This That's is how right. she was raised, and that doesn't go for just her kids. That's also going for the men in her life. Yep. Now, okay, so Dave number two, after he goes through all this stuff, he goes. He goes back into hiding, I guess, and she's gone. So now we have a different uh, guy. Uh, I was going to say another John just to be funny, but his name's actually John Chilling Chillingworth. Uh, John, uh, uh, Catherine and John uh, became an item, and lo and behold, uh, she gets pregnant again. And so she's going to have another kid. And, and she's how old? When this happens? Uh, I'm not sure how old she is, but uh, the the man that got her pregnant was 43. But I'm I'm thinking she's got to be in her late 30s. Is she 38? 35. 35. It's 1990. So okay. Ni- yeah, 1955 to 1990 would be, yeah, she's 35. So she's 35, and I think this is kid number four. Mm-hmm. We're up to number four now. Yes. And uh, she gave birth the following year, and this is a – this. Uh, baby's name was Eric. She had a, a baby boy this go round, and from what I understand in the in the research, all of her kids are fiercely uh, fierce defenders of her. Programmed, yeah. Which that blows my mind, but whatever. Um, their relationship lasted approximately three years, and uh, before she left him. Or why the reason why she left him is because she was having an affair with another guy, and this man's name was John Price. Apparently, everybody called him Pricey, which is, I guess that's a cool nickname. That's so, not a bad nickname. So Pricey. So she has a baby with John Chillingworth. Yep. And then she's cheating on John with the John number two. So she had two Davids and two Johns. Dang it! I didn't even realize that. Yes. So now we're on to John number. We'll just call Weird. him Pricey. 
Yeah, well, yeah. God dang, man. I don't understand. Maybe maybe there's something with her where she just... Yeah, so now we're on to John number two. So two, Chillingsworth... Two, John, two Johns don't make a right or what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, she's she's got. I'm definitely seeing a pattern here of violence, mostly, but also of her lover's names. Yep. And so she has uh, an affair with Pricey, and I guess she had been known to say that uh, he was a terrific bloke. He's a good guy, and everybody around him that knew him uh, thought that he was a good guy, and so. He's got also he he's a he's a father of three. Uh, he's got three children, and he apparently was aware of Knight's um, of Catherine's violent reputation. And he still let her move into his house. And he's like, "I'm going to be the one. I'm going to fix this. Yeah, I can fix her. I can fix her." I, and apparently, his children liked her. And um, John. Number two, Pricey, he was making a lot of money uh, working in mines. And apart from the uh, violent arguments, as is probably to be expected, um, they had a pretty good relationship. Well, I'm going to respectfully disagree <laughs> that she ever had a good relationship ever. But yeah. you know what? Okay. Yeah. And the only reason, apparently... Things are going to go south in a big way here. Mm-hmm. Is that Pricey did not want to marry her. He did not have a problem living together, raising their children together, violently arguing with one another. Mm-hmm. You know, just casual uh, family things. Yeah, slap boxing in mm-hmm. the living room <laughs> when things get nasty. She's like, I don't like the way you didn't do the dishes. Put your dukes up. <laughs> Put your dukes up. He's like, I thought the women were supposed to do the di-, and she just smashes his teeth out. Oh yeah. Uh, so the the his refusal to marry her apparently was the thing that made her very upset. So to get back at Pricey for not marrying her, and this God, this woman, she she just makes me so mad. She videotaped. Uh, several items that he, they had in their house. Uh, these items apparently were uh, out-of-date medical kits that he had salvaged from the mining company that he worked for. And so they said, like, a lot of times they'd be just be in the rubbish bin. Mm-hmm. I wish we called our trash cans rubbish bins. I mean, you could start trying to do that. It's not going to fly. You know how people are setting their ways around here. It'll never happen. That's true. Um, so after she sends this to this video of his outdated medical kits that he had. He is fired from his job that he had for 17 years, and they took his pension. Because basically she gets him for stealing company property. Yeah, and even though the company agreed that the medical kits were probably outdated and not in use, it's the same scenario of like this convenience store I used to work out. Like one time I got... In trouble because whenever so I I I moved to Amarillo. I was working at a seven fifty an hour job. I was going to school. I had a lot of bills. I wasn't making a whole lot of money, but I was at least trying to make an honest effort at you know going out on my own. Mm-hmm. And so when we take the old hot dogs off the roller and we ride them off, 
And one day I got busted on camera eating one of the hot dogs. And I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. Right. But then my manager was like, oh, no, that's against company policy that no one ever told me about. And the reason we do that is because people who work here will just take food that they want to eat that's not out of date or expired or past the the uh, amount of hours it's supposed to be on the roller or whatever, what uh-huh. have you. And they'll just eat it and then they'll ride it off. And so that it's technically that's theft. I could see how that would, you can make an argument for that. And I was like, yeah, but I didn't do that. Right. Like I really used the stuff that we're, that, that I was like, I, I took a hot dog weenie and then the rest of them I threw in the trash and they're right. like, can't do that. Yeah. Can't do that. Like you will get fired. It's if just you do like, that. yeah, it's just like restaurants, buffets and like stores when their food is out of date, they just throw it in a huge dump. That's why these dumpsters you see behind like your, Walmart's or United's, they're the big sealed ones that you yeah. can't get access to because they throw the amount of food waste in this country, in this country especially, yeah, well, would blow your mind. And it's some uh, upwards of like fifty percent of the food that's either grown or imported into this country is just thrown away. Yeah, it's it's something up. It's it's a high it's number. startling. Yeah, and so she gets him canned from his job as. To make him, just to get even with him. Yeah. And he loses his pension. He loses his pension. We're talking about 17 years of dedicated service to a company, a mining company. He, he's not selling mattresses. Yeah. Or working at a convenience store or sitting in an office job. He works in a mine. Yeah. 17 years. So he probably was making good money. Yeah. Gets canned. Now, after this, this whole incident goes down. Uh, Pricey decides that he needs to go ahead and split with Catherine, that he needs to take off. Uh, she's ruining his life. She got him fired from his job. He lost his pension. But a few months after uh, Pricey leaves, Catherine somehow manages to lure him back. Wow. Again, we just... Same old song and dance. Three for three. Yeah. This, I just, uh, this John number one's the only one I feel like got out of this thing. And that's only because she would already, she had already moved on. Yeah. So she made the choice to end that. So we're thinking, I'm thinking that John Chillingworth here dodged a tank shell. (laughs) Yeah. Huge. Like, sorry that she got so lucky that she just lost interest in him. Yeah. I'm sorry that she was cheating on you, old chap, but you dodged a bullet and a half. Yeah. And, uh, so he goes back and lives with her. And this, ladies and gentlemen, will be his biggest mistake. That's right. Because something very unfortunate is about to happen to our dear old Mr. Pricey. Oh, it's so twisted. And he's not going to get away if anybody had any question um he's actually going to die in a very violent way and so what what happens uh to O'Pricey is that apparently after they got back together the verbal arguments ensued as we would probably assume that they would and this culminated to Pricey and Catherine having sex. Pricey falls asleep. While he's asleep, 
And I don't know if she wanted to go for like a three banger or five banger, but I don't Yeah, we don't know, but I, I'm always assuming with Catherine it's more than one. Yeah. And so all I could find is maybe it was one. Mm-hmm. And so if this has anything to do going back to her uh, first marriage where she ends up choking her new husband, mm-hmm. if he only, if he only did the one time, I assume that she's laying awake and just stewing over this. And so, conveniently placed above her bed mm-hmm. are her knives, and she takes out, she grabs one of the knives and stabs Pricey with it several times. So, uh, in this in this whole ordeal, um, I guess she had sent her children away that day, so I kind of feel like... Maybe in the back of her mind, she already had some of this planned out mm-hmm, yeah, because I'm, I'm none of the call kids premeditation. Yeah, uh, because none of the kids were were at the house. But uh, I guess she had sent the kids away, got her some new black lingerie, which is a visual that I don't really want to have. And uh, she ends up stabbing Pricey. It uh, from from what the evidence shows, he did not die in the bed. He was able to get up and he took off running and he had stab marks on his front torso and several other places, but also the back. Oh, wow. So my guess is the initial stabs are probably front. And as he was trying to run away, she was stabbing him in the back. And at this point, um, Pricey loses consciousness in the hallway and dies. Unfortunately for for uh, Mr. Pricey, Mr. Price, uh, that's not where it ends. So apparently, the next day, some of the neighbors uh, were concerned because uh, Pricey's car was still in the driveway, and uh, they thought something might be wrong because apparently he was a man that uh, did not miss work and so one of the one of his employers showed up over to his house and was knocking on Pricey's bedroom window uh, to try to wake him up and you know thinking maybe you know he had a he pull, pulled an all-nighter man, or something sl- sleeping in yeah miss work and uh, he he ended up seeing um blood on the door and I assume and well I don't assume I know that there was blood everywhere in that house oh it had to be and so it was very easy for them um, to, to notice something was not right so the police ended up showing up and they broke the door in and they found his body oh, I'm going to use that term loosely for now uh, Catherine was in her bed she had taken apparently a large number of pills in a attempt to kill herself which in my opinion that's probably more of a, a, a an outcry of like look at me look how sad i am look at yeah look I, what, what have i done i'm such a monster i have to kill myself i took 40 milk thistles <laughs> and you're like yeah you're not gonna die from that but nice yeah, she's try. like no i said 40 though yeah. like remains the same you're you're gonna be fine you're gonna pee most of that out you're fine yeah 
You might you might liquid crap your pants later, but yeah. you're you're gonna be all right. Yeah, that's that's not good either. But I mean, yeah, you're not gonna die. Yeah. So they find they come to find out later that she had, like I said previously, she'd stabbed him. Um, apparently, with a butcher's knife is is what they said was the murder weapon. Um, they're oh, gonna why be would a, you not? Yeah, there's gonna be a few more knives um, in here, but uh, so Catherine stabbed him, chased him through the house. And it, he did actually manage to get the front door open. And she, after she killed him, she left the house. She took his bank card, which is uh, kind of weird. He, he bled out in the house and died. And then she took his bank card and went into Aberdeen and withdrew $1,000 from Pricey's account, his ATM account. Now, later after the, the incident was over, it was revealed that Pricey had been stabbed at least 37 times, both front and back. Golly. And, uh, many of the, many of the wounds extended into his vital organs. Which uh, yeah. I'm sure they went deep. And we gotta assume that she is, she is so dedicated to her craft or that she was that I exactly bet I every single say. one of those knives was just razor sharp. Yeah, agreed. I was about to say that myself. Now, where it kind of gets interesting and mm-hmm. also disgusting is that after this, uh, after Catherine went back to the house, she skinned Pricey and hung the skin from a meat hook in the door of their house, in the doorway of the house. She made a Pricey suit, just a skin suit. Golly. And from what I understand, she was able to do this. In a way that no law enforcement or medical examiner had ever seen before, ever. They said that she skinned him from his head down to his feet and was able to take off the ears, the nose, his genitals, all the way, all the way down in one piece. She had a pricey suit. Yes. It was literally one piece. Yeah. Like, has anybody ever said, like, I used to say the joke, like, I don't want to go over to someone's house I don't know because I don't want to end up a lampshade in some creepy guy's apartment. That's yeah. from a movie. I don't remember which one it is. This is actually that. Yes. This, no, this is the real deal Holyfield. Yeah. This is the situation where she skinned him and then hung his skin suit up. In the doorway of their house. That had to take so, other than the fact that this is so disgusting, that had to take so long, or did it? I'm about to tell you. The medical examiner, (laughs) okay, the medical examiner was able to sew his skin suit back on his body after this was all said and done because it was done with such precision. But he said with the amount of skill that she had, this couldn't have taken her more than... About an hour. Holy Lord. Yeah. He estimated about an hour. But the the, the skill and precision that she had. That's disgusting. He was able to sew the skin suit back on. It was in such good condition. He put put Pricey back together. Yeah. He reverse Humpty Dumpty to man (laughs) that had been skinned. Skinned. Yeah. Yikes. Now, after, she's like like an egger suit. Mm, yeah, of course. I immediately went there. <laughs> yeah, MIB. I, yeah, when I read this, the men in black, she's like, like it wasn't Egger. I was like, he was wearing an Egger suit. Like a suit. <laughs> like an Egger suit. Yeah, no, exactly. Exactly. I thought that immediately. But wait, 
There's more. Right, her sure is too. Yucky. <laughs> so then she decides it's time to do a little rump steak. Mm-hmm. And so she literally cuts, <laughs> she cuts like chunks of meat off of his butt, off the gluteus maximus area mm-hmm. of his butt to make steaks out of. And she apparently, she uh, was going to serve the meat up with some uh, good old baked potatoes, which I'm a huge fan of. Uh, Negative. Pumpkin and zucchini. You're not a baked potato man? Nope. I don't know how I didn't know that. Some uh, zucchini, cabbage, some yellow squash, and some gravy. So she made a full dinner out of this dude's butt? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, she she put she put slabs of his butt down on a plate and then made a meal right around it. She's like, "Make sure everybody gets your veggies." And nobody ate this. I no. This- now, luckily, yeah, luckily, if uh, she was preparing to serve his body parts to his own kids, three children, I was telling you That's about. That's right. She set up a place at the table for all three of his kids with their names on cards. And then personalized notes to the kids. Jesus. Now, I don't know if this was like thought out all the way as in if she was actually going to get the kids in the house. Because we have to remember at this time when she's cooking this meal, uh, his skin suit's still hanging up in the house. Yeah. And and from what I read, this was all done in the very early hours of the morning. Yeah. So. Yeah. So if, if, if neighbors noticed at 6 a.m. The, the a delicious day, smell coming from the kitchen, you Oh, mean? golly. I. I. Uh, it probably did smell good, and I hate to say that. I don't like that you said it either. Because it, prob- it probably did when you add all the veggies and Was stuff he in very that. in shape? Oh, that's not nah, very good taste. I don't, I don't know. Or was it? Or <sighs> She might know. Yeah, God, I'm sorry for that one. Now, uh, when uh, police... So, yeah, police were saying that, that she planned on serving him to his children. Uh, she has no memory of this. But another interesting thing was when police came into the house and found Catherine after this horrible suicide attempt, um, they found a pot on the stove, mm-hmm. and it was still warm. And uh, they, they estimated at 40 to 50 degrees Celsius, which us Americans don't use that term. So I'm going to assume that's still pretty hot if you calculate that back over to Fahrenheit. If zero degrees Celsius is freezing, and that's 32 degrees for us, I'm going to assume it's still 80, 90 degrees Fahrenheit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, in that pot, they open it up, and guess what's in there? Um, Any yeah, boy's head. Boys, yep. Pricey's head is in there. His skinned. You got to remember, this yeah. thing's skinned. And cooked, so it's no longer red. Oh, God, no. This is unnerving. This is like a meaty, brown, yellowish... Skull inside this pot that had been simmering with some veggies. This would I give believe. me nightmares. Yeah. Oh, it, it absolutely would give me Several, nightmares. A lot of the officers, I think, had to take leave for psychiatric evaluations, and then also uh, some of the other ones just quit. They just left the force because it was it was too much. Now they found Pricey's body. I'm not even really sure what to call it now because it doesn't have the skin remains. On it. Yeah. Yeah. Now he was arranged in a uh, sitting up in a chair with his left arm draped over the side, holding a soda bottle. 
and that's how mm-hmm. that's how they found him. And I, I'm not. I don't know why I'm laughing. And it's because it's so horrible. You can't even believe it. Yeah, and his leg was crossed. She had crossed his legs, and like he, he was, was lounging. Yeah, like he was lounging, holding holding a soda bottle bottle with his wow. leg crossed, and uh, it and that was. Yeah, that was that was the the ins- that's how old Pricey uh made his exit on this earth and wow. and that reminded me of the the laughing part of I was going to I was going to let the listeners know if you ever go by a area where there's a lot of police or first responder president presence and it's and it looks like a terrible situation and you see some people standing over on the side and they may be congregating together and you see them laughing they're not laughing about the event like i remember one time i got jumped by this lady uh verbally not 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 literally but verbally at this house fire this this trailer house caught on fire Mm -hmm. a lot of these older ones with the uh with the hot water heater door over on the side of the trailer house they're just notorious for catching on fire oh yeah so this trailer house caught on fire and when I got there, it was probably about 15% consumed. And within five minutes, as the fire department's getting there, the whole trailer is... Yeah, total loss. Yeah, it's fully involved, and it's a total loss. And so me and some of the guys were standing over on the side, and we were talking about something, and we were laughing, and some lady jumped. And she's like, well, how can you laugh at a time like this? This family has nothing. They have nothing left. Nobody was in the house. Thank yeah. God. Yeah, thank God indeed. Uh, but what, what is hard for some people to understand is, is that that is a coping mechanism for us. Oh, of course. Like we see and have seen some very terrible things. And for some reason, a lot of us always try to go to the funny, yeah, like the gallows humor. Not like, not like saying, not like saying like, ha these people's house burned down. No. We're talking about funny things that may have happened in our past. Mm-hmm, the things we're talking about, oh, this happened to me the other day or so on and so forth. It's yeah. not, it's not actual. Uh, Anybody familiar with the world of true crime is familiar with gallows humor and how you try to make light of a situation by cracking a few jokes. Yeah. And, uh, so I think because the episode's gone on, we're about an hour and 27 minutes in now. Um, but, Catherine was was obviously arrested for this. Finally, no kidding. And, yeah, I she mean, I feel like there's a j- lot of missed opportunities here. Yeah, she should have she should have still been in jail from all the other aggravated assaults she's committed in her life. Yeah, and if you think about it, this is one of those one of those situations where we could say that uh, really missed opportunity and the law enforcement's perspective on Catherine and the things that she did allowed this to continue it's not anybody else's fault but hers that she killed somebody of course that's not what i'm saying what i am saying is that there were several situations where this could have could have been um prevented prevented and and we could have avoided this whole situation so she goes to court uh she she was trying from what i understand she was trying to plead guilty to manslaughter yeah, she wanted. It's to, like she wanted to make her own plea deal, right? She wanted to plead guilty, but still not take the responsibility for the murder. Yeah, and I know what I just said probably made everyone go, "Wait, what?" That's what I did too. She wanted to plead guilty, 
but not take the responsibility yeah. for what she did. And in the United States, uh, you know, we have a nolo contendere or some people call it no contest. And so that may be like the, the, her, like her version of that, which I don't understand that at all. Because basically when you plead nolo contendere or no contest, you're saying that you're not saying you did it, but you're not saying you didn't do it. Yeah. Like you're not taking, uh, responsibility for for the crime like i, right. I kind of feel like it's just one of those things where you just you just could wipe that whole thing out and just say okay buddy if you plead guilty to this we're just going to give you a lesser charge or we're going to give you less time so that we don't have to go to it's just it's just another way yeah. to manufacture a plea deal and i mean you got to think this district attorney or, or what they're called there uh in australia is nothing like this has ever happened before no, no I one's can't even imagine. ever heard of this type of a murder, stabbing someone thirty-seven times. I hate to say it, that's been done. Yeah, but skinny, skinny, flaying his skin off and then making some head soup and <laughs> like some butt steaks. I mean, there's no way to. <laughs> Those walk. are all new territories I mean, for that person. If you were a B cop, and I don't blame these guys at all because I consider myself. I mean, I've seen some pretty nasty stuff in my adult life and, and several brand and several uh, areas that I've worked in, but walking into something like that, I would even consider leaving law enforcement because yeah. what, what are you going to, what do you have to look forward to after that? What's in the pot? Exactly. <laughs> What's in the pot? You could have left right there and wrote a book. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, let's go ahead and finish up. So she, uh, tries to pull some weird stuff in the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, it doesn't work out. They convict her in October of 2001. Yeah. And she gets life without parole. Even though she, I do believe she does use up all of her appeals. Yep. Imagine the lawyer. Trying to get a reduced sentence. Yeah, imagine the unlucky guy. He's like, hey, man. That's just like, hey, uh, we hate to do this to you, but you got the, you got the Catherine Knight case. He's like, he's like, oh, yeah, she totally did it. Gosh. Everybody knows. They're so like, yeah, actually, you're defending her. And he's like, ah. Oh, yeah. Why did I end up doing this? Short, I shouldn't have lost that game of golf. Yep. And uh, apparently in prison, she is very uh, well put together. And she doesn't get any 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 trouble. Uh, she has a job, I believe, where they said she put together uh, earphones. That's right. And she's got a extensive collection of crocheted items in her her jail cell, which I'm telling you, like I don't know who what what warden, as we call him in the U.S., gave her permission to have crochet needles. Yeah, but I, I got to feel like unless she's doing that with her fingers, somebody made a mistake. I'm in America, and I'm scared of the fact that she has any sharp object. Yeah. Um, but you know what? Oh, I thought was interesting while I was looking up this case. If you guys are interested, just go Google Catherine Mary Knight and look at her pictures. You'd be surprised how many of them post-arrest and post-imprisonment. She's smiling. Yeah. She's just chilling, smoking a ciggy. Mm-hmm. Calling it, you're just having a, a grand old time because imagine the amount of street cred you got to be in a women's prison for, I mean, I don't think Pricey deserved it. No. But she's telling her version of the story. Yep. And I guarantee she's been a victim the whole time. And she's the prison boss in that, in her little cell boss, oh, I, prison boss, pod boss, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. They've made sure to, to let us know that she is that. I, I, and I believe it. 
and the older she gets, the the less that the less credibility it'll have on the new, the newer and younger generations coming in. But then she's going to have that kind of grandfather, grandmothered in. Uh, oh yeah, clout that that goes along with clout the crime. indeed for what she did that goes along with with her crime. And I can't now. The one thing I want to end on is. I believe I read that she denies ever consuming any. Yes. I don't, I don't think, I don't think in anything I read, I did not see where any, uh, because she is labeled as a cannibalist. Cannibal. Yeah. So, and, but I don't, I don't, I never saw anything that showed that like she was actually in there like grubbing down on the butt steak. Right. There's no way to prove it. Yeah. Even though it might have been a good cut or maybe you know it, was, it was, or maybe was it more like a ribeye, more like a top sirloin? I'm not sure. This is getting too far. This is going too far. Um, but what I did read I is that I had a chunk. I was thinking about my own. You I are. actually had a chunk of my butt cut out. You do. Yeah. You got you got quite a you got quite a gangster lean these days. I do. I, limping ain't easy, but I do it. Mm-hmm. But God uh, dang, you do. <laughs> it ran a half Iron Man. Yep, knocked out that very half impressive. Iron Man, and but it the, was the it last, was killer. It is killer. I, I'm very impressed. But the last thing is, what I think that stems from is because there was another plate of food that was prepared that was cast off in the backyard of the residence that she was found in. And they believe that she did uh, try some of it. Uh, But there's no way to prove it. So I think that even in processing slash cooking, human flesh will get you the cannibal tag. But I believe it's also thought that she did uh, ingest some. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't actually know that for sure because when you're getting into these things, there's so many sources. Yeah. So you're just always getting. There is a lot. And this, this tale has been told a lot of times. And so, uh, you know, in, in a situation like this where the, where it's, it's, uh, more commonly known outside of Australia is what I found because a lot of, at the time, they did not really cover a lot of this in the news because they didn't want the people around them to know that this was happening. How could you? Yeah. You, you really, Especially from a leadership standpoint, you don't want something like this getting out. Now, do I believe in any governmental entity making sure they have complete transparency? Of course, because I live in America and there's enough shady crap going on around here. We're not going to get started on that. Mm -mm. But I imagine in a neighborhood or residence or a city, if you're like, hey, sorry about that, but this made the news, uh, your neighbor – skinned her uh skinned. her baby daddy and just started cooking butt steaks yeah. at like two in the morning. And then everybody's like, Oh God, I knew we shouldn't have went over to that barbecue. Yeah. What else did we eat? Exactly. What these are the questions that are gonna spiral just greatly out of control. And now you're wondering what other shady crap there was, and then the tall tales start getting told, which you don't need to make these ones very tall. You just have to tell the tale. Yeah, because in some countries not too far from Australia, that little uh, puppy would have been a delicacy. Mm-hmm. That little eight-week-old puppy. You could have just skinned it and made some... That's I don't want to go into it. Yeah, yeah, I, don't, yeah I love yeah. dogs. but <laughs> you, were, you were going to. Yeah. You were my, getting ready to fire one off. My poor Rosie dog, uh, she's outside in the backyard right now because she will just continuously bother us the whole time that we're trying to record and frequently go and drink water. She snores like a rhinoceros. She does. And she also makes, she has the loudest mouth noises of any creature (laughs) on four legs this side of the Mississippi. She does. It's just the smacking noises and you look over there and all she did was just 
move her tongue one time. Yeah, she's not even, she's not eating anything. It's just these smacking noises. I yeah. don't even know where they come from. Some of them, they really give me the heaps because it yeah. sounds like stirring macaroni and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's and, a popular term these days. And also very gassy. Yeah. Oh, man, she is. <laughs> she's got a lot of gas. Ugh. All right, guys. Uh, we're going to leave the episode there. Uh, we hope that... Uh, uh, you know, we apologize for the break. We had a lot of stuff going on, but we hope maybe this extended version of the debrief was enough to hold you over until we get ready to do our next episode, which mm-hmm. we're going to try to do in the next couple of days when we can. But my promise to you is that as soon as we do the episode, it's going to be kind of a, a special episode that uh, Mike and I are going to talk more personally about some of the things that we went through, how we got into law enforcement, just kind of give you guys a opportunity to learn a little bit more uh, about us. And so we want to bring you that episode as soon as we can. We're going to get in here and do it and I will release it that day. As, as soon as Mike uh, and I finish it, I'll edit it down, throw the music in there and we'll slam it out to you guys on uh, all the uh, platforms. And speaking of that, uh, if you guys want to catch us on any of the social medias, we are going, or we are on Facebook, uh, at the Murder Project, or if you need to search us, it will be www.facebook.com slash podcast TMP. If you're searching for us on Instagram, we are at the Murder Project. And if you are looking for us on Twitter, we are at the Murder Pod. Uh, we thank you guys so much for all the support that you've given us and uh, the comments that you guys have left for us, reaching out and letting us know that you're enjoying the podcast. Make sure and continue to do that. If you're listening to this podcast and you're not listening on Apple, just go over to Apple if you can and leave us a five-star review. Uh, leave us a comment, anything that you want to say. Uh, but it really does help get our name out in the beginning because we are dealing with a vicious algorithm system. And so uh, in the early days of the podcast, they are definitely left uh, kind of on the back burner. So any support that we can get from you guys, uh, we really appreciate Definitely. it. And let us know if you like uh, our original format for uh, cases or if you like just the debrief portion, like the where we do the whole thing in just one go, because I'm actually curious what you all think about that. So just give me a shout out. I'd appreciate it. Yeah, the da- the, actually right now the downloads uh, show that in some, in some cases the – uh, the first episode might get 10 to 15, 20 more than the debrief. And then in other episodes, the debrief 25 or 30 higher. So uh, if you guys, uh, we, we like to do the two episodes. That's the way that we set this podcast up. And we wanted to keep it that way. But we're also going to listen to you guys and uh, make sure that we're putting out the content that you uh, like and deserve because we sure love doing it. I do. It is a great time. Uh, we have a good time doing it. So we're going to leave it there for now. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. I I hope that everybody comes back and listens because we're going to have a good episode for y'all on the next show. That'll be episode 10. Um, I hope to speak with everybody soon. But until then, head up, eyes up, and stay alive.